Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, welcome back to Ausbiz. It has just gone midday here in Sydney, which means once again, it is time for the call. We've got 10 stocks as suggested by you, our viewers, and we've got two export experts to go through them. And uh, we've got some really good stocks today, so I'm looking forward to the show. Also looking forward to introducing our expert guest. We've got uh, Henry Jennings from Marcus today, fresh out of lockdown. Good to see you in, in the flesh again, Henry. Fresh out of lockdown, exactly. <laughs> two days in. I'm just glad that there's a bit of distance uh, yeah, between there's, there's us here on the table. Of distance, don't worry. <laughs> and uh, speaking of distance, we couldn't get much more distance between me and Andrew Weiland uh, from DP Wealth, who's all the way up in Toowoomba. Good to see you again, Andrew. G'day, Andrew. Hi, Henry. Yes, I, I could see that social distancing thing going on, I think. You know, you and I have the ultimate social distancing, but yeah, good to see you doing it in the studio as well. <laughs> Excellent. But we do have a lovely clear signal here. So uh, before we get into it, uh, as regular viewers of the show are very well aware, we like to choose a stock of the day. And today we thought we'd go with Ordinate, a stock that has been very popular in the past. Uh, today coming out with a trading update saying that it's expecting around about 11.1 million US dollars in the first half. That's about a 19% increase on where they ended uh, the second half of last year, which is really nice to see. Although, Henry, uh, that really has been impacted by the Aussie dollar, which has strengthened quite a lot since their last uh, result, about 13% yep. increase. And yep. we know most of their money comes from overseas. So yep. what, do you, what do you make of it all? Well, given that the Aussie dollar is probably going to be uh, continuing to push higher as well, um, it looks like it's got 80 cents very much in its sights. Um, that's probably going to be a bit of a headwind, but I, I guess it's been quietly reassuring that the results have been as good as they have been. Uh, the stock price has gone on a pretty big tear uh, since those lows around $2.40, uh, you know, up here around 8 bucks. It, it's been a stellar performer with the, the Dante product seem to sort of be able to pivot in that uh, AV technology industry. So. Um, you know, it looks good up here. It looks a bit rich for my money, I've got to say. It's run pretty hard. I, I think I'd be tempted to, to, to go into the whole category, but you would imagine that some of the brokers in the next couple of days will be starting to put through some, some increases in uh, terms of upgrades and price targets. So we may see it push a little bit higher, but uh, you know, I, th I think at the moment I'd just be a little bit cautious. The news is kind of baked in. The Aussie dollar looks as if it's continuing to go higher. We don't really know how the rest of the year is going to play out in terms of COVID. Maybe they have pivoted so successfully um, at the moment, but um, yeah, I mean, it's a great quality stock, good technology, market leader but just pushed a little high for my blood to be buying up here. Yeah, Andrew, Henry making some really uh, solid points there. I, I agree that the business is, is really solid, but just doing a bit of number crunching on these latest figures, it looks like on a trailing 12 month basis, we're looking at Ordinate on a price to sales of 22 times. That's certainly up there, isn't it? It's a bit nosebleedy, if I could use a finance term. <laughs> so uh, yeah, look, I am uh, return of equity of less than 1%, which is, you know, Andrew, sort of one of my key measures. Mm -hmm. um, look, fully agree with what Henry's saying, surprisingly, uh, relating to uh, 
to the quality of the business. I think the A dollar is going to be a big issue for them and a number of other companies. This year. You know, that's probably going to be one of our big themes for 2021. Will we hit 80 cents and beyond? So at this stage, I'm a, I'm a, I'd be a hold at these levels. But certainly, as you know, as you can see in that chart there, we've come a long way since those March lows. But uh, couldn't bring myself to pay eight bucks. I note consensus at the moment 750 prior to this update today. So as Henry's saying, there might be a bit of a, a kick, but I'd probably pre- this is top. This is the type of business I'd prefer to be buying on weakness, not into strength. Let me let me press you guys on on that point because it is a good point. But uh, it's you know obviously if we can get it at a cheaper price, that's better. But how far, Andrew? I'll start with you. Does it have to drop before you'd be pulling that trigger? Oh, two dollars. What'd you say? Two forty. Um, <laughs> no, just look, wouldn't that be nice? You'll be lucky. Looking at the, look, I'm just looking at the chart, and I'm thinking. I mean ideal buying would be sort of five to six bucks mm-hmm. i think if you because there's sort of some peaks and troughs there but if you would just sort of go top left to uh, bottom left to top right as uh, henry's uh, partner marcus padley would say but yeah I, i'm thinking sort of around six dollars six to seven probably low sixes you know i'd be happy with but five to six i'd be much happier with do you agree henry you know what the problem is with all this thing, and we all do it. We're all we're all guilty of this. We say, oh, you know, we'd love to buy this stock if it pulled back, and we all do it. Um, the problem is, if it pulls back, it's usually pulled back for a reason. You know, if it was five bucks, you've got to look at it and say, well, why has it dropped from eight bucks to five bucks? It's and not then, because they've upgraded their guidance. It's not and because the they're doing forward. really well, and someone's just 100%. decided to go to the David Jones sale and slash thirty percent off just for the hell of it. It's usually for a reason. So you've got to be careful about this whole. Um, you know, I'd love to buy it at five bucks routine because when it gets to five bucks, you go, well, you know, I'd love to buy it at three bucks because there's something wrong at five bucks. Maybe I could get it cheaper. Maybe I could get it cheaper. So, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you've got, you've got to be careful about these sorts of um, things. For yes, me, yes. it's a bit overextended at eight. Um, I reckon, you know, looking at the chart, seven bucks, 7.20 seems to be a good sort of area. That's a 10% pullback, provided nothing has really changed. But if, you know, if the Aussie dollar went to 85 cents and you're, and you're going, well, it's a really good buy at seven bucks. Well, it actually might not be such a great buy at seven bucks. So it, it's all it predic- depends. It, it depends. Yes, you know, we're, yeah. we're all really good after the fact. And we like to hedge our bets to some extent, especially for stocks that have done really, really well. But um, you've got to be careful because a lot of people say, oh, I'd love to buy it at five bucks. And then it gets to five bucks, you go, oh, you know, I'd love to buy it at three. And it gets to three, and you go, oh, no, I'm actually gonna, not going to buy this at all. I'm so, glad you raised that. We actually made the point earlier on in the week. Too. Okay. And I would go further than that. I would say, even if there's absolutely no news, yeah. and it's just going down because sometimes yeah. stocks go down, yeah. uh, we all say, oh, geez, I would oh, I'll back the truck up if it got to five bucks. Yeah. And yet so few of us do that because it's very, very, very hard. Then people will say, well, I'll wait till it starts going back up again before I buy. Yeah. And by the time you sort of got that confirmation that it's gone back up, you ended up buying it at the price you could have perhaps in the first place anyway. So it's it's very difficult. Did anyone say investing was, was easy? It, uh, I mean, what's the line? Simple but not easy, according to Buffett. It's, you know, it, it's, it's a complicated game and it relies on human emotion as much as anything else, as much as fundamentals, as much as technical analysis. And it sometimes fortune favors the brave and other times the brave get kicked in the stomach yes, by being well I was trying to be polite um, but uh, yeah so you know you've just got to be careful Thing, things yeah. do change as my old boss in London used to say these are not numbers on doors yeah you know things do change they're not fixed 
that's it. So um, great saying. I'm, yeah. I'm totally going to steal that. I never understood it really. Strange kind of Scottish guy that we kind of ignored for a long time, and then it became obvious that he did have some wisdom. All right, <laughs> let's get into uh, the ten stocks uh, nominated by our viewers. Andrew, I'm going to head up to Toowoomba and uh, get your view on this. Katie's written in and asked about. One of these uh, real blue chip stocks, it's been around forever, one of the oldest listed companies on the ASX. I'm talking, of course, about Washington H. Sol Pattinson. I believe it might have been you, Andrew, who raised this point not too long ago. I think it's one of only two stocks to have never reduced its dividend in the last, I want to say, 20 years or something like that. So you're looking at it now with the yield of about 2%, folding those franking credits and you're near enough to 3%. Is, uh, is that enough to make it interesting to you? Yeah, uh, Andrew, it's sort of um, the way I'd sort of try and think of it is like a little mini Wes Farmers, except for it's a six billion, nearly seven billion dollar business. But it's controlled by the Milner family. And of course, you know, one of the famous sayings attributed to them is the thicker the carpet, the thinner the dividend. Love it. And uh, so <laughs> you know, I, I take great comfort from knowing that uh, those people are in charge of, of my investment if I was a shareholder in this business. Um, it's it's got an eclectic mix of, of businesses in there. It's got telecommunications, it's got resources, it's got pharmaceuticals. Of course, it's got a great equities portfolio by virtue of its shareholding in a number of LICs. Uh, they manage about $5.2 billion worth of assets. They, uh, they've increased their dividend every year for 40 years. Um, speaking of 40 years, if you'd put $1,000 into them back in 1980, so to compare it to today's dollars, Today's dollars, it's about $5,000. <coughs> uh, that $5,000 uh, back in 1980 is worth 216000 today. Whoa. So That's dividends done, reinvested, I, I assume. Yeah, total yep. return. Yep. They've done an amazing job. Uh, institutions don't like it so much because of that cross-shareholding with Brickworks. I should have mentioned they're pretty big into building materials as well. Uh, and there's been some attempts to try and sort of unwind that cross ownership between Brickworks and Washington uh, Solpats. But I quite like it as a business. The PE is probably a little demanding at 30 times, but equally so, the forecast earnings next year at 36 is okay as well. So um, I'd back the Milner family all the time. So certainly happy to have these in a portfolio. Yeah, I think it's one of those classic bottom draw stocks. And uh, Henry, I've actually been to the offices there and I can, I can assure you they are not that fancy, which is always nice to see uh, as, a, as a shareholder. What, what do you think though? Maybe, maybe you can give us a bit of balance here. Well, yeah, probably. Um, I mean, it's a market darling. It's been around since 1903. Everyone loves it. Is it 1903? 1903. Wow. Um, it's been a spectacular performer this year. It's timed it to perfection. It has big shareholdings in TPG, which it did really well out of, obviously, with that massive run that they had um, in the initial stages, all that, that roll-up stuff. It's also got big holdings in the coal and resource side of things. That's right. You're paying a premium for this stuff. It's run really hard. I would not be piling in here. I'd, I'd certainly, I would be avoiding this one for the time being. It has run very hard. TPG is still flatlining. The other thing that I am concerned, you know, it's very hard to bag a success story over 114 years. Uh, what is it? 118 years. 118, now. yeah. 118 years. Um, it's very bad, you know, with that five grand into those extraordinary numbers, it, it, it's extraordinary. But, you know, it, it's all about timing. You know, and we've seen 28 bucks before and it, it, it's flopped back. So um, for me at the moment, I would be cautious of this one. It has got sort of rolled up in the big uh, coal uh, re-rating with, with New Hope. 
uh, and that side of things. Um, TPG has really been going absolutely nowhere for them. Mm. And the other thing that concerns me, they do have a number of sort of private investments, unlisted things as well, which they value themselves. Now that's all well and good, but um, it's nice to have some transparency. So I think you know, you're, you're paying a premium. These guys know what they're doing. It's just a question of price. And for me at the moment, it's just a bit too ritzy. You know, you look at it, they've outperformed the market up till, I think it was, um, you know, when it was it November 2020 by 33%. Yeah. You know, it's extraordinary. That, yeah. that just shows you that they absolutely nailed it with their timing uh, back in uh, February, March. So, um, but at the moment, it's probably just gone a little bit too hard, too fast for me. Well, as we can see from that longer term chart there, so often is the case for some of these wonderful businesses. The, the patient investor has many yeah. opportunities. On that proviso, of course, Henry, that you do have the fortitude to follow through on your convictions when, when given said opportunity. Yeah. Um, but yes, some excellent comments there. But, Katie, one more? But I was just going to say, I mean, in something like Washington Soul Pats, they do get carried away. And we've seen this time and time again with momentum stocks. They get carried away with that you know, the fear and the greed. Nothing has really changed necessarily for the underlying business. They're still fantastic money managers. It's just people have got really too excited. And I think at the moment we've got a little bit too much excitement and uh, a little bit too much greed in the share price. Yeah, fair enough too. So Katie, I hope that's helped you, give, uh, give you some perspective there on Washington H. Sol Pattinson. Uh, Andrew, let's talk uh, live tiles. LVT is the code. Timothy has written in asking about these guys. This is all about uh, workplace intranet customization. I noticed that they have been consistently unprofitable. However, however, credit where it's due, they have seen their revenues double in the last year and they're up about sevenfold in the last couple of years. A little bit less on a per share basis due to the fact that they have issued quite a few shares to sort of stay around, uh, which we which we can't ignore. And look, you're paying a price to sales of five. It's not ordinate levels, but does it does it does it get over the line for you? Sorry, Andrew. It's uh, the the minus fifty uh, percent return on equity sort of knocks it out for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm sort of sort of uh, leading with the conclusion. 1,100 customers over 20 countries, so it's quite a, a diverse bench, if I can put it that way. Uh, people like Disney, uh, HPO, are closer to home, Qantas and QBE are clients of theirs, so it's certainly a, a great book. I think the average customer spends about $55,000 a year with them, so you know it's not an insubstantial sum of money. Uh, and you reference there very briefly that relationship with Microsoft. Uh, everything that they do, they're talking about that relationship with Microsoft. And that's, in fact, they get around 50% of their referrals from Microsoft. Mm-hmm. So it certainly is a, a good thing for them from that point of view. It's pretty low turnover. There's only about 260,000 shares a day that change hands. And, I mean, the CEO owns 10%, which is great. You'd like to see management sort of have skin in the game. But uh, for Mind, in that sort of technology space for the want of a better term why wouldn't i buy t and e in the technology one uh 50 roe and 21 percent profit margins so yeah I, I i just like to see them get a few more runs on the board as you said it does appear to be sort of turning but uh, and there's lots of good things to like their relationship with microsoft good client base but uh, stop issuing shares become a bit more profitable uh so at this stage i'm a uh, thanks but no thanks 
Yeah, Henry, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I can see both sides of the debate here. So a lot of these growth companies will say, look, it's a land grab. You know, we, the, the cash will come. The cash will come. But, uh, you know, if we are too cautious, yeah. uh, we'll just be left in, in, in the dust. Going, well, that, that actually makes sense. And we've actually seen some very successful tech companies do that. Mm -hmm. However, by the same token, mm -hmm. plenty of companies <laughs> use this as an excuse to never make any money. So wh where do you sit on Lifetiles? Um, I read their last announcement. I'll read this to you because okay. I think it's an absolute beauty. They're going to establish a Lifetiles Employee Experience Academy with Canva to create a central thought leadership online resource targeting decision makers and influencers to learn about and act on modern employee engagement. <laughs> what a load of rubbish. Come on. Run. Run, uh, Forrest, run. Run, for. I mean, I, 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 I got quite... Quite, quite keen on this stock some time ago and I had it in the small cap portfolio yeah. and it kept putting out wonderful announcements you know great growth all these great percentages etc 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 went absolutely nowhere and I just got fed up with watching it, it wasn't about I thought it was about communication that they were just communicating badly but it wasn't the, the market doesn't like this story you know they can talk about Microsoft till the cows come home but at the end of the day, the market really doesn't like this story and it hasn't done for a long time. They have the odd spate of, of, a, of a tickle up when people get really excited. But you know what happens straight away? And you can see it by that chart. The sellers just come out and whack it back down again. Yeah. So it, it's really hard to be um, loyal and a fan of this one because I don't know what they have to do to attract market attention and say, hey, you know, we're going really great. But these sorts of announcements, I mean, really, that's, that's psycho babble. And, you know, Come on, guys. Well, I, I've got, I, I think that the, if you really want to get the market's attention, uh, as Andrew was sort of touching on before, generate some really wonderful free cash flow. That generally gets the market's attention. I think well, the more the com a company in general spends on its investor relations, as opposed to investing on the actual growth and cash generative ability of, of, its, of its operations, the more you have to worry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the numbers won't lie. The numbers will come out. But sometimes it does take the market an awful long time to, to fossick around in, in the boat and to try and find through the ashes the, the, the nuggets that are there. And, and I've looked and I've tried and they've announced great things and they continue to announce great things. You know, deals with Canva, deals with who, you know, everybody, every man and his dog, and yet the stock price is still 24, 25 cents. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it really doesn't do it for me. There's not enough volume. Um, yeah, I think there's just better tech plays to, to, to play with, to be honest. Fair enough. Hey, Henry, I'll let you lead with this one. In fact, the next three that we've got are all very recent debutantes <laughs> yeah. to the ASX. So I know that makes our job a little bit more difficult here. But Henry, the first one has been sent in by Will. It's Identity with a double I at the end, a very, very techie 2020 kind of name, or 2021, I should say now. Code is ID8. Uh, blockchain to connect banks and business. What does that mean? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> I was hoping I, you could help me out. I have no idea. Um, that, well, it's really, I guess, this is about know your transaction mm -hmm. rather than know your client, know your transaction. So it's, it's to try and take out financial crime, money laundering, all this stuff. So it's identifying uh, the people involved in a transaction. And I've I got to say, I looked through the shareholder register uh, today and... There's a few old familiar faces that I used to work with on the show. Oh, okay. Website. Yeah, so, so that, that's kind of a tip. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, I, don't, I don't want to put you in court. They were pretty shrewd. Okay, okay. Just, that's that's one way of so, putting it. So, okay. yes, um, you know, but they are bridging this gap, I guess, and they're helping banks 
know the transaction. It's only a recent listing. It's not a very big company. So it's got um, a little bit of a, um, as far as the, the exchange goes, not a, a long-term track record. Um, and you can see there that um, it's not been, um, I was going to say, is that the right chart? But you know what? Sometimes might happen. This I, I'm guessing, but that might be a reverse listing out of something yeah, that's I folded. Think, I, think it, I uh, think it was because it's actually been quite a good listing. Okay. Uh, and they, they sort of uh, did a, a pretty good job uh, there. Um, I don't mind this one. I think you have to get a... We had the I sign this thing some time ago. Oh, yes. Um, which was, again, which was know your client, know your sort of anti-money laundering. As it turned out that it maybe wasn't quite such anti in the, the ML side of things. Irony, um, irony. So um, I th for me, it's a little too early to, to, to get uh, too interested, but it's certainly uh, in an interesting space, especially you know, given that what we've seen in the banking system with, uh, with money laundering and those sorts of issues that we've had coming out of the Royal Commission, it certainly fulfills a need. Yep. Whether it's the answer to that need, I, I'm not really qualified to say, and it's a bit too early in the marketplace to, to draw any conclusions, yeah. chart-wise, price-wise, whatever. But it has been a relatively successful listing. It's got some big names behind it. I think Thorny's got uh, a small uh, percentage of it as well. Okay. So, so there is some, some big names behind it. And obviously there is a need for it. So it's a cautious kind of, I guess it's a watch and act as things uh, play out. Mm -hmm. And it's always good to see them you know, come out, beat prospectus, et cetera, um, and start to use the money from the capital raise uh, from the IPO process to, to, to get things on track. So. Um, it's, it's on my watch list, uh -huh. but that's about it at the moment. Okay. Andrew, do you agree? With Henry, not usually. Um, <laughs> never. <laughs> never. That's why it works so well. Uh, I, I would say that Henry's bang on around this whole AML space. If I was to look at a threat for financial services, a threat's probably a bit strong. Something that we need to be really mindful of in 2021, it's absolutely AML, anti-money laundering. Uh, we've seen two of the big four banks now pay substantial fees. I think CBO is what, 700 million, Westpac about 1.2 billion. So uh, AML is absolutely forefront of everyone's mind and uh, this company's really addressing that. Having said that, um, I just think it's a bit too early. Um, they just recently had a share purchase plan, which was done at 14 cents, and they raised about $6 million, more than what they were looking for. But as we know, when SPPs are about share purchase plans, it tends to weigh on the share price post that being completed. The other thing I noticed is that the CEO resigned at the end of December, uh, and I'm sure there's nothing nefarious. You know, people come, people go. But that in itself to me is a bit of an amber light. We generally tend to sort of like to get a bit of comfort as to why people are going and, you know, see who the new person who assumes the chair. So uh, I'm, I'm probably in Henry's mi mindset, if that's possible, uh, which is basically um, for the time being, it's a hold, but it certainly is the right industry. It's the right space. I just need to see a bit more execution. Okay, fair enough. I'm going to stay with you, Andrew, give you the first crack of this one. Now, I said these were all recent listings. This one only listed in October last year, so very, very new to the boards. James wants to know about Credit Clear. So it looks to me as though it's all about receivables management uh, packaged up in a nice little uh, fintech type solution. What do you think? 
Yeah, look, it's done incredibly well since it listed the IPO was at 75 cents and where's it now? 70 odd. So my screen literally just died as you came to me. So thank you very much to my service provider for doing that. Um, so look, it's it's done pretty well and it really is this receivables collection, but sort of that digital overlays and set us on ring you up going, you know, Andrew, you owe us a couple of dollars, sending you messages, offering you payment plans, uh, talking about integrating things like with Apple Pay as an example, um, sort of a white label type solution for research, receivables providers. They've got about 800 clients uh, in things like transport, financial services, utilities, um, government used them as well. They sent around 2.6 million messages for the September quarter, so they're certainly starting to get some real traction there. Uh, Henry just re referenced Thorny Investments before, they're on the register here as well. And in fact, before they uh, got on the share market, they were also backed by Elliston and also Regal Funds Management as well. The chair is the founder of Ubank, so in the context of sort of having the smarts relating to financial services. Um, and as the companies say themselves, you know, in the light of, you know, um, COVID and, you know, potentially people being distressed, not suggesting that that's a great thing, but in this receivable space, that's certainly something. So to me, again, it's a hold. I'd like to see them continue to execute because, you know, bear in mind, it's only been since October that they listed. But I, I quite like the business. I like what they're doing. And I think the way they're going about it's pretty clever, but I'd just like to see them delivering a little bit more. But it's been a pretty good, pretty solid debut so far. What do you think, Henry? Does it need a little bit more water under the bridge for this one? Um, I think generally IPOs need a little bit more water under the bridge than uh, established ones, mm -hmm. just to see the sort of trading pattern. And sometimes, you know, you get stock that's escrowed that comes out um, that people can sell and that obviously has an effect. And then there's performance rights and all sorts of other things that are happening behind the scene that then come to the market and that sort of dilutes existing shareholders. So you've got to be a little bit careful. This is obviously next gen kind of uh, credit court to some extent and, and, and for companies to manage bad loans and put in payment plans for people there. It looks pretty sexy technology, I've got to say. And as Andrew says, Thorny's got around 7.2% of this one. Um, it, it listed at 35 cents, it's now 75 cents. So it's done pretty well, market cap 120 mil odd. Uh, I don't mind this one. We look through the presentation, it's quite a sexy presentation, which is always good. You kind of expect that from a technology company. Yeah. It's amazing how many technology companies you look at and you go, oh, that's terrible. You know, come on, guys, you can you can do better. And it's all about, let's face it, it's all about selling and marketing your company, your pro your prospects, um, especially so close to IPO. So um, I don't mind this one, but as Andrew says, and I think it you know goes for a lot of IPOs, good to just give it a little bit of space to settle down, see how it uh, see how it does in terms of its prospectus, see how it does in terms of uh, just settling down in in that price action, whether there's a big avalanche of stock that comes on the, the market, whether anybody starts to follow it in terms of broker land as well, that's, that's always important, whether it just falls by the wayside. The good thing about this one, and it applies to all IPOs as well, is that if you have a successful debut, that does tend to create some interest and it does tend to carry on and does kick on a little bit. So right. um, I, I think this one looks interesting, to be honest. Okay. And uh, you know, next gen, payment plans for people in arrears and for companies to be on that receivable side of things. Looks a pretty smart idea and it looks like it's pretty good technology. So, okay. um, so, so another one for the watch list? It's certainly another one for the watch list. It's not a huge company, but you know, when you're out there looking for 10 baggers, and I, I, you know, I've been playing this game um, in the newsletter in the last few days since I've been back, trying to find Moby Dick, trying to find that 10 bagger. Um, I'm Captain Ahab and I'm on the, uh, the high oceans trying to find the 10 bagger. You know, it, it, the 40 to 50 million dollar market cap stock, 
that can be a $500 million market cap stock. The TNTs of this world, which was you know, four cents at one stage, now it's 40 cents. Uh, Tesserin? Yeah, Tesserin. Yes. Um, you know, those sorts of stocks are where you can find those, uh, those white whales. Yeah. And, and this, this has got um, interesting. When you look at you know, Credit Corp and that side of things, and you look at what these guys are doing, maybe, uh, maybe this is, you know, it's certainly interesting enough to put on the watch list. It's very interesting indeed. We have to speed it up a bit, but I can't, right. I can't help but make one quick comment there. What I would say about all of those 10 baggers is, is that whenever you look at them retrospectively, none of them go up in a straight line. And so I think one of the lessons there is, is that, uh, you know, if, if you're, one of the biggest regrets people will make is they'll buy something at 50 cents sell it at a dollar thinking I've just doubled my money, aren't I brilliant? Or, uh, you know, um, or then they see it go from a dollar down to 80 and think I'm, yeah. I'm worried about, and you, you miss the opportunity there. The, the, the 10 bagger comes not in, not because there's no volatility, but in spite of volatility. So just yeah. bear that in mind. Be one yeah. of the things, and, 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 and no, no, nothing 10 bags in a month. Nothing 10 no. bags, That's maybe Tesla, Tesla, is, the Tesla. <laughs> is the exception to the rule. <laughs> nothing 10 bags in a year. So if you have to have that vision, that fortitude, that, that temperament to, to sit yeah. through it for, for that long. I mean, in the case of uh, Tesla, which I was looking at, at uh, when Jeff Lord first came on board, the stock went nuts, went to eight, nine cents. And I thought, well, this is, this is a good story. And then, of course, we had the February, March thing hit. Yep. It dropped to four cents. Story hadn't changed. So I recommended it at four cents back in, in March, and here it is at 40 cents. So that's a 10 bagger in nine months. Okay, well, there's another which, exception. Which has done yeah. pretty well. But what it does point out, I guess, and highlight is that patience sometimes is, is, you know, when you get that opportunity and you've been looking at a stock and you've analyzed it and you've found the, the moats, you've found the reason to buy it, then suddenly an opportunity comes along, that's when you've got to grasp it. Patience combined with opportunism, um, I love it. Okay, Andrew uh, Wyland, let's do a, a nice quick one here. Uh, Ply's written in about Playside Studios, very recent listing, as I said. These guys are in the business of video game development, which, you know, I guess it's easy to sort of giggle at, but but these this is an industry that is growing at a phenomenal rate. These guys have, have revenue, 52 titles, achieved 35 million downloads recently. It's a tough business and it's a very crowded one, but if you get it right, it can be good. Is this one good enough for you? No. Okay. Is that short enough for you? <laughs> That's pretty uh, short. No. <laughs> it, it's, uh, look, it's another successful float, floated at 20 cents, it's now 40 cents. Um, customers like Warner Brothers and Disney, uh, so it ticks all those boxes, 52 titles in their portfolio. Probably the thing that caught my eye, Andrew, was that you know they have an interest in um, a company called Big Esports, and uh, they basically bought that about a 26% stake because they basically want to see the characteristics of that esports market. And for those uh, loyal Ausbiz viewers, hi mum, uh, would remember that uh, I've been pushing um, ESPO, ESPO, since it listed in August, ESPO, and about 10 bucks, it's 11 something at the moment because there's huge opportunity in that sort of esports thematic. So for me, I look, agree. interesting mm -hmm. business. Uh, but I would much, much prefer Espo because in Espo I'm getting not only the game uh, developers like Playside, not that they're in there, but that style of thing, but I'm also getting the hardware side of it as well. So I'm getting a more diverse range. But uh, great business has, has off to a good start, but uh, not one for me. Okay, Henry, what do you think? Um, I'm not a gamer. My kids aren't gamers. I'm not really in, into the, that side of things. Mm -hmm. But if you want to get exposure to a, a, a video game maker, 
then this is an ideal way to go. They've been around for, for nine, ten years now, and they're going to use the money, obviously, to, to develop more titles and push things out. I think it's an interesting one, um, but again, it's another recent IPO. Although it's been around for a long time, they've been quite successful. But this, this, is, a, you know, this is a fickle market. It's like any artist providing a product, uh, whether it's a painting, a music, a piece or a, a film, book, yeah. film, whatever it is, yep. the audience can be very fickle. So you bring out the super duper game that you think is going to knock the spots off everybody and it turns out to be a dud and everyone hates it, then you're in trouble because it costs a lot of money to develop these things. So, yes. you know, they've, they've got a pretty good track record. Um, but as I say, I'm not a gamer. Uh, so, you know, as Andrew says, if you want to go for a more conservative approach to esports, ESPO, um, there's other ones in the space uh, and some of them have had somewhat checkered pass and they do tend to be quite volatile um, it's not an it's kind of it's it's an area esports and gaming is kind of a, an area where it's, it's almost cult-like in some respects and, and us outsiders us people that are of a certain age probably don't understand the whole esports thing which is massive it's huge you know it's it's huge yeah um so i'm probably not the best person to talk to but if you want to go conservative espo certainly but em1 and uh, there's an ESH, there's a couple of others out there, uh, and this one joins that suite, but the market can be fickle, so. It can. It's, it's, it's interesting too with these ones, it's like film studios, like publishers, it's like you, you sort of, you, 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 you muddle forward for many, many years, and then you have that hit. Angry Birds. The Angry Birds. Angry Birds. You know, which just comes out of left field. The trouble that then people make is then they start extrapolating that forward too. You could even say the same about Aristocrat. Like the second album. Yes. It's yes. the second album. It's very, very hard to do. And then, and so there's, I think, look, we don't have the time. A very interesting uh, stock play is, is the bottom line here, but bear in mind, uh, a little bit of risk and some competitive uh, issues to sort of watch there. We're halfway through the show. Let's do a quick wrap of the stocks that we've talked about so far. Now these guys like to joke that they don't often agree, but I think you'll agree with me after I go through this list that that is, uh, that's not, simply not true. We started off with Ordinate, uh, two thumbs down from both of the gentlemen here. Nothing uh, bad to say about the business. The only bad thing to say was about the price. So it was a pass in that regard. Washington HSL patents and the one area of disagreement, in fact, here, uh, it was a yes from Andrew. Wonderful dividend payer, wonderful history, one great stock for the bottom drawer. Henry wasn't a mile away from it, but just making the observation that you may be able to get it at a cheaper price and that's probably the better time to buy. We got, then went to live tiles. Uh, the thing that I guess turned uh, the experts off here was the fact that it was a very um, a, a lot of a lot of announcements about sort of wishy-washy kind of things and we just really haven't seen that profit or free cash flow come through at this stage so uh, it was a pass there we then went to three very recently listed listed companies and and frankly although it was uh, we weren't able to get any of them across the line uh, they were all very interesting so we started off with identity uh, too early but uh, both of the gents like liking to have that one on the watch list there there's certainly a big opportunity in terms of uh, anti-money laundering, in terms of that market there. Credit Clear, uh, also very interesting. Some very big name backers on there, which is always uh, a nice thing to see. A very interesting space, but again, too early. So that's another one for the watch list. And as you just heard, Playside Studios, uh, very interesting space, although a very crowded one. And uh, Andrew making the suggestion that if you're looking for a lower risk exposure there, an ETF in the form of ESPO might be the better way to go. So what does all of that mean? Well, as you guys know, who regularly watch the show, we do run our own portfolio here at The Call, sponsored by NabTrade. It's had a very good performance. In fact, since the new financial year back on July 1, we have delivered a return 
that is just a nudge over 23%. Not a lot happening in recent times there, but uh, over a longer time frame, a really wonderful performance and most certainly beating the market. Uh, what gets added and what gets removed? Well, these five stocks have been added recently and the reason that they were added was because the experts who were on that day both gave it a thumbs up. And whenever that happens, we add the stock to the portfolio. We buy it at the end of that day. Nick Scarly, A2 Milk, Illumina, Viva Energy, and CSL all getting the nod uh, in recent times. Stocks removed uh, just this week. We kicked out Ava Risk Group, uh, Navigator Global Investments, and Woodside Petroleum. And the reason being, as I just said, we didn't get two thumbs up. Now, just to update you on that today, Credit Clear, who both of our experts today said was a very, very interesting stock, was in the portfolio. But as I've just said, we didn't get two thumbs up. So it's going to get uh, the boot at the end of the day. And um, I've been better at this, guys. I don't, I, don't, I don't give you a tip on this ahead of time because I think it does no. uh, bias things. Responsibility. Uh, but yes, it, it is on your shoulders it now. <laughs> um, all right, let's get into the back half of the show. And uh, let's try and speed things up a little bit. And let's maybe let's uh, the pot not call the kettle black here because I'm as guilty as anyone in <laughs> extending the time. Uh, Henry, I'll start with you. Sezzle, S-Z-L. Uh, Josh wants to know, buy now, pay later. In fact, we we're talking about it on the Pulse yesterday here at Ausbiz. They had some really great results. Uh, merchant sales were up over 204% year on year for the fourth quarter. Customer numbers up 144%. But of course, as with many players in this space, uh, not yet profitable. What do you reckon? Uh, not for me. No? No. Um, I think there's, you know, the space is rapidly getting crowded. Sezzle is the sort of the lookalike to Afterpay in America. Um, there's a new one listing in the US called Affirm with a 10 billion US market cap, which is not just buy now, pay later. It's more kind of pick your interest rate, pick your terms kind of thing, but they're aiming for um, a different, you know, low credit history kind of market. Um, but you can just see it's getting crowded. Um, okay. The numbers were good, but you would expect that with November, with Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all the other stuff. Numbers were good, not as good as Zip, and probably not as good as uh, Afterpay. Zip's got that quad pay uh, business in the US. For me at the moment, the one that stands out and is unloved is Zip, uh, which is going through an SPP, which pricing period finishes today. And uh, that's kind of line ball at the moment. So that, that is my preferred one at the moment, only because I think there's some catch up there. Um, but it's getting a crowded space. Very crowded, I think, yeah. I think you go with the leader. Yeah. Um, still, and that's what I think people are gravitating towards after pay, always. Andrew, do you agree? Oh, it's with Henry. Um, mm, yes. Aha. Yes, oh. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mindful of the time. We've only got 21 minutes to go. Uh, look, I, uh, look, there's lots to like about it. It's growing phenomenally. Uh, the CEO owns about 44% of the business, which is great. Uh, I still think it's potentially a takeover target for Afterpay, but Afterpay may decide because, you know, so much of a lookalike um, gives them some great scale in the US and they can use their inflated script in which to do it. So that's certainly a potential uh, opportunity risk. Um, Henry had a great uh, podcast with uh, Shuren Partners, uh, Buy Now, Pay Later uh, analyst there a few months ago. So I'd encourage everyone to, once they've finished their Ausbiz listening and, and viewing, uh, maybe go and have a listen to that as well, because there's a great overview of the buy now, pay later sector. 
There you go, Andrew. No doubt a case of beer. Uh, headed in I'm your check, direction. I was going to say plug. check in the post, but we don't do checks in the post anymore, do we? <laughs> maybe maybe a big, Bitcoin transfer, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, there's a Bitcoin in the Sign post. of the times. Okay, yeah. guys, let's talk something completely different. We'll go to more mainstream finance. Uh, we've had Charles write in about Westpac. Uh, you know, it gets called a blue chip stock, Andrew. Dividends have gone nowhere for a long, long time, even before 2020, in which, of course, they, they were cut uh, very substantially. In fact, I think the uh, shares are lower than they were 10 years ago. I'm a bit bearish on the banks, but give me, give me a reason to like Westpac. Okay. Um, th- this is all unscripted, ladies and gentlemen, so I had no idea what Andrew's intro was going to be, but my first line was I've King looked of the at the total question. return. <laughs> I've looked at the total return for Westpac over the last one, three, and five years. So last one year, minus 15%, positive for three years, 9% per annum, up 3% per annum for the last five years. Nothing to write home about. If you compare that to the broader share market, market is down 1% for the year, up 7% per annum for three years, and up 10% per annum for the last five years. So you would have actually been better just buying the top 200 companies uh, and getting 10% per annum for the last five years. That includes what we just went through last March relative to buying Westpac. So I'm with you, Andrew. I'm certainly pretty cool on Westpac, and I think they've got a number of, of, of issues. The broader banking industry, though, is improving. Uh, those de- delinquencies are under control. Long-term bond yields are starting to rise again, so that should be positive for their net interest margins. APRA allowing banks to start paying dividends again. I notice it's trading about a dollar below consensus, but I might also add that the sector is trading at around 17 times, which is nearly nosebleed territory. Um, me personally, surprisingly, I prefer an ETF, um, MVB, which basically buys all four banks plus Macquarie, there's a little bit of BOQ and Bendigo in there as well. So rather than trying to pick Westpac over something else, I'd actually buy MVB if you think banks are the place to be this year. What do you think, Henry? Are banks the place to be? Well, they have been. They have been this, you know, since the, the bottom. They've, they've rallied extraordinarily. I had this... But you can, I'm going, I, you can say that about any stock, right? If you pick it at the bottom, you've done well. Well, not really. Uh, well, if you pick it at the bottom, yeah, but not every stock has rallied since February, March. That's true. Uh, you look at some of the telcos, they've done absolutely nothing since then. So yeah. it's not just throwing money at a wall. And these ones have, have rallied extraordinarily. You know, back in uh, February, March, well, some time ago, I had the, the big bank basket, which is a hundred bucks, Chuck. You buy all but four big banks for a hundred bucks. It bottomed at 107. It's now at 155. That's, that's pretty good. 107 it hit this year. 155 bucks now for all four banks. That's going pretty well. Westpac is going to ride the economic boom or the economic renaissance. Uh, to some extent, it will get it. All these banks have simplified their business. They've shrunk to greatness. Or, they, or they're trying to shrink to It's become building societies. Housing hasn't collapsed. The economy is going to go okay, hopefully, in 2021 on the back of the vaccines, etc. I think this is a slow grind higher kind of thing. But, you know, your talk about Westpac and, and Andrew's talk about Westpac and total returns and all this, it's all about timing. You know, if you've got the timing right in some of these banks, you have done extraordinarily well this year, with or without dividends. And we've seen a lot without dividends. So I think it's going to be a grindy kind of move from here, maybe a bit sideways, your dividends are going to improve. Um, and the, the, the bank bashing that we've seen in the past from the government and other people seems to have abated. Uh, and the widow maker trade of shorting the banks uh, that the overseas institutions used to play with, the, the hedge funds, that was the way to play Australia. You know, it's tied to China, short the banks, because that's going to kill it when the housing collapses. That has really not worked. And they've been absolutely mahulled 
in that uh, in that process. So I think it's a slow grind higher. There's certainly a hold. I wouldn't be ploughing in here having run that hard, that fast. Even in the last few months, they've run pretty hard. Um, Westpac's a bit of a maverick bank. Um, it sort of stands outside the other three. It tends to go its own way. Um, but um, yeah, I think slow grind, hold. Okay, we'll get that as, as a hold. And I'll agree with that. I think there is a time and a place for the banks. Uh, and when they get bombed out, that is definitely a time to, to look uh, at that. Henry, let's stick with you here. Let's talk about uh, APA Group. Fiona's written in energy infrastructure, gas pipelines. It's not a sexy business, no. but it is a very reliable business. I, I only had data going back 10 years, but as with Solpat's dividend has only gone in one direction, albeit very yep. modest growth there, but uh, you're gonna get a 5.1% yield that is unfranked. If you're an income investor, is this one worth looking at? I think it is. They're, they're building a new pipeline, I think, uh, which does carry some risk, which I think is why the market's been a bit down on this one. And also, you know, in, in a, when you're in a Indy 500 race, you want to buy the fast cars. You don't want to buy the old banger at the back, do you? That, that is safe and is going to get round the, the circuit. You want to buy the speedy cars. And, and that's what's happening at the moment. The market's in, you know, we've seen Bitcoin go to 40,000. So, you know, the market is buying sexy stories and APA is not sexy. 5.1% yield, as you say. Gas pipelines, pff, really? How can you get excited about that? I mean, it's solid, it's dependable. Um, it's even had some corporate appeal in the past, although that went away because of uh, nationalist interests. Um, but yeah, it's showing signs of, of bottoming, but there is some risk with this new pipeline they're building. So it, it's, it's, it's a hold, and for income investors, it's certainly part of the equation there I think you should be looking at. It's a, it's a relatively okay alternative to something like, especially something like Telstra, oh, yeah. or, even, or even the banks, but it is unfranked. Yes. Uh, Andrew, can boring be beautiful? Why, why are you looking at me asking that question? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Don't read. Don't read too much into that. Don't read too much into it. Just going. You've been talking to my wife again. Uh, no, it's. Uh, it's. I like APA a lot, and uh, certainly that risk. Um, what was that project? I had it written here. The Orbist gas plant. And uh, yeah, that's certainly what's got the market a little bit concerned at the moment. I think also it was sort of viewed as a bit of a COVID. Uh, safe haven but the results were sort of flat so the market wasn't really enamored with that but i like it it's certainly part of our defensive portfolios and as you're saying telstra which of course was meant to be defensive but obviously wasn't uh yeah we quite like australian pipeline trust and i'd be buying it at these levels but to henry's point and i think it's a great analogy in an indy 500 this is you know the pace car this well not even the pace car this is just the laggard but it's the hair not the head, the tortoise rather. It's just going to uh, sort of plot along and, and do the business. It's not going to sort of fits and starts, but it's a very predictable, reliable business. You know, if we compare it to say Osnet or one of those other ones where that, the government determines what the price is, Australian Pipeline Trust, they're the people that determine what the price is. Mm. And, you know, they basically get 90% of their revenue is unregulated. Mm -hmm. So uh, I really do like this business a lot. All right, it's a tick from Andrew. Andrew, I'm going to stay with you. Uh, Vulcan Energy. Uh, Gina wants to know. So I should mention that uh, shares are now suspended. So the company has basically said, listen, we've got uh, some results for a feasibility study for our zero carbon lithium project, and they're going to wait to update the market before trade does resume. So you can't really do anything about it since then. The other thing to mention here, Andrew, is that 
Look, if you could go back 12 months in a time machine, this is probably the thing to uh, to plow all of your life savings into because it is it is definitely uh, in nosebleed territory now. Assuming that there's no nasty surprises when they do resume trade, is it something that you'd consider at these levels? Yeah, it's been a little Bobby Dazzler. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's <laughs> done incredibly well. Um, look, I, uh, I th- look. There's lots to like about it. Um, even their previous sort of life, where they were sort of involved in Norway, that in itself is probably something to like as well. But um, I, I'm sort of mindful of the fact that, as you're saying, they're in suspension. We're waiting to hear those results. Assuming that all goes to plan, they're going to start lithium production in 2023, and they're in the right space relating to, as you're saying, that zero carbon battery manufacturing in Germany. Uh, they can really be the because the, the the resource that they have in that upper Rhine Valley is already the largest resource lithium resource in Europe. So uh, there was a, a German investment publication that put a six euro price target on it, which is about. Oop, there we go. There's that service 59. provider. Yep, oh. it's it's uh, gone again. Have you still got me? No, no, we've yep. got you. You've come back. Here we go. Yeah, I was going to say we definitely don't need to stop on that picture of me. Uh, the MD uh, is up, uh, owns about 59%. Again, it can't be an Ausbiz uh, call session without me mentioning another ETF. Uh, I still prefer ACDC. Andrew, you and I have been talking about this one for probably the last month or so. Yep. Uh, it's now up to about 90 bucks. When we were talking about it initially, it's about 78 bucks. So I much prefer ACDC because you're getting that range of battery manufacturers, car manufacturers. Uh, battery makers, uh, lithium miners, but uh, yeah, certainly be paying a very close eye when Vulcan comes out of uh, suspension because it looks like a really interesting one. All right, uh, Henry, just quickly, we are running out of time here, yep. but is it one that uh, ticks any boxes? Uh, it ticks a lot of boxes. Yep. I, I was talking about this uh, back in, uh, well, dollars ago. Okay. <laughs> well done. Great, well, I don't know, well done. At the time I was writing it, it was a really interesting story, looked fantastic, price was a bit sexy, $2, whatever it was at the time. Don't, you know, don't chase it, it'll come back. So I'm an idiot. Um, anyway. Hindsight is 2020, though, isn't it? Yeah. Hindsight is 2020, and 2020 is definitely good to look back in hindsight. Um, <laughs> but Vulcan ticks so many boxes, you know, zero carbon in Europe, big lithium deposit, closed circuit. Yeah. You know, it uses the, um, the geothermal to, oh, it's, just, it's just fabulous, isn't it? The Europeans are just going to fall over themselves. This, this is pre-feasibility study will come out. Then you've got the definitive feasibility study. So this is another step along the highway. Um, of course, the DFS is the key to getting financing. Um, and it's going to cost money to do this. And it's a $400 million company. Um, it's gone nuts. It's a punter's special. You can't say pile in. And I'll say the same thing as I did back, back in October, or wherever it was, August, November, October. You know, it's, it's just, it's crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, pick okay. a number. Um, But pre-fees will be another step. And you can see there are steps along the highway. The the DFS will be another step and then they come into production, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it could be a $2 billion company in two years' time. Yep. Two months. And there's just such a range of possibilities there as well, isn't it? I think what investors often need to remember is that you can do really badly, even if you invest in a wonderful business. I mean, nothing is worth an infinite amount. So so logically, somewhere between zero and infinity, there's a really attractive price. And then there's a price that you can pay too much, even if the business quintuples, quadruples, whatever. And and you can do really well by investing in a really crap business as well. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Or something that completely doesn't exist, like (laughs) like Bitcoin. Let's let's not go down that rabbit hole. Uh, okay, lucky last gents. Uh, Andrew, we'll start with you here. Adore uh, Beauty, an online specialist in uh, beauty products here. Christine wants to know, what do we do? 
Christine, what do we do? You know, we were talking before about those floats and those three floats in the middle that we were talking about, and I think all three had done pretty well. In most cases, they doubled. Sadly, can't say the same for a door. 675 float price, I think they're at 535, 40. Uh, if I was being uh, diplomatic, I'd call it underwhelming. Um, consensus is $7.65, but uh, it looked to be fair to them probably about two weeks after they listed the vaccine, the first lot of vaccine news came out. And I think everyone was initially expecting that uh, the vaccine might be further away, you know, might be 18 months, two years away, and certainly not as efficient or effective as what it's looking like, which thankfully from a society point of view is looking great. But for online businesses, which had really been um, bid up coming into this, not so good and was sold on the premise that it was going to be that. Mm. So they're, they're under pressure. Their uh, first trading update wasn't too bad, sort of 7% of, um, ahead of where they said they were going to be from a prospectus point of view. Mm. But, uh, you know, to your point before about when there's a successful float and it creates momentum, you can quite easily say the same as well. Um, so certainly not a buyer at these levels. And uh, really, we need to see them to continue to uh, beat those prospectus forecasts. But, uh, yeah, 675 is but a distant memory away, I think. Henry. Um, I've hated the stock for a long time. <laughs> it's just starting to look a bit interesting now, okay. to be honest. I mean, there was, it was floated by private equity, you know, but there's lots of pictures of the founder, uh, which all, all, always helps. It's a bit like having Jennifer Hawkins in your prospectus. Gotcha. Um, so it, it uh, probably was overvalued. You've always got to be a little bit careful about buying stuff from private equity because they don't tend to be that generous. Um, they don't leave a lot for the next man. Yeah. Um, but at these kind of prices, it's starting to look interesting. And, you know, it's one of those things that coming out of lockdown around the globe, hopefully with vaccines, you know, people will, will actually have to buy makeup again rather than just go to the Zoom meeting without makeup. <laughs> um, so they've beat prospectus. Um, Are you speaking from personal experience there, Henry? I am, Andrew. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> so, um, you, know, it's, it's, you know, it's a little treat thing, isn't it? You know, you can reward yourself with a new lipstick or yeah. whatever. Um, I'm not an expert on these matters, but you just, you just know that it's a little treat thing. You know, I have a friend of mine that's bought seven motorbikes in, in lockdown. There you go. Which, you know, he obviously wanted seven? a bit. Seven. Okay. That, was a, that was a bigger One treat. for every day he of the week. He was trying to flog me one last night and not allowed. The wife won't allow me to buy a motorbike. But this one's starting to look interesting. So, okay. you know what? I, I'm, I'm kind of in the buy camp on this one. All right. At these prices. Well, there we go. It's always uh, go. good to finish the day on a buy. It's not going to get added to the portfolio, though, because we didn't have consensus. Uh, let's have a quick review, though, before we say our cheery farewells. We started off with Sezzle in the second half of the show. Look, a very, very crowded space here. Uh, perhaps not as good as others. Maybe some takeover uh, potential there. But uh, as far as Henry is concerned, Zip is a better option. So two thumbs down there. Westpac, uh, we got a, a, a no from Andrew, underwhelmed by recent performance. Henry was, uh, was more sanguine on that, basically saying it's a hold. Uh, and these are businesses that you can do very well on if you are opportunistic with your buying. And there was a really great opportunity back in March, as, as we now know. APA Group, uh, a boring but potentially beautiful stock, according to Andrew. You're going to get about 5 0.1% yield on that. There's no franking credits, but hey, that's not a bad yield in a near zero rate interest environment. Uh, Henry was a uh, hold, I believe, Henry, but not, not a mile away from a buy, but uh, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't consensus. That was in the portfolio too. So Henry, that one's on oh. you. We're gonna, kick, we're gonna kick that one out oh, of the portfolio no. at the end. 
oh, at the end of the day. It might be a good thing. It might be a good thing. Time will tell. Disgrace. And then we oh, went to Vulcan mate. Energy, which is uh, in suspension at the moment. This stock has just J-curved, hockey sticked, gone vertical, whatever analogy you want to you wanna, uh, talk about here. Very, very, very interesting business. But uh, geez, you are really paying up for it. And of course, we don't know what this feasibility study is going to come out with. So no buys at this point in time makes a lot of sense. Adore Beauty uh, has underwhelmed since its listing. So uh, Andrew is just not that interested on it. Henry was a hater, but is now one who actually thinks it's got potential. It's uh, looks like it's going to exceed its prospectus guidance and uh, it's a bit cheaper than what it was and some nice sort of economic characteristics around the so-called lipstick effect there. So a bit of something for everyone in today's show. And guys, it's been great to have your perspectives as always. Uh, Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Good to see you. Always a pleasure. Good to get you out of the, the insular peninsula. It is. It takes a bit of work to do that. <laughs> but we managed to do it. And Andrew Wyland, uh, always good to see your face. Maybe we'll get you in the studio one of these days too. Uh, but great to have you on from DP Wealth. Thanks, uh, Andrew and Henry. In 2023, that's the goal. Come back to Sydney 2023. We don't want to rush these things. Remember, (laughs) if you want to send us a suggestion, and we always love it when you do, there's two ways to do it. One is via Twitter. We'll throw the address up uh, in a moment. The uh, uh, handle there is at AusBizTV. And you can email us as well, the call at AusBiz.com.au. But that is it for another day. But we will be back in another 23 hours time. Same place, same time, same channel. And we look forward to your company then.